Turnbull announced that the laws of maths do not apply here. <laughs> One of my favourite brands of comedy aerial is brown people and black people making fun of white people. Senators have been dropping like flies recently. Shouting out the fact that in the Knowles Carter family, women just have one name. Backchat on FBI Radio. That's right, you are listening to Backchat on FBI Radio, freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swetha Das. And I'm Shami Sivasubramanian. First up on the show today, we have author and journalist Ruby Hamad to discuss the toxic culture of Islamophobia in Australia. And after that, we're going to discuss the laws around political advertisements in the lead up to the federal election. And as always, we want to hear from you. Do you have a favourite political advertisement and why? Whether it's praiseworthy or cringeworthy, we want to hear about it. Let us know on 0409 945 945. Don't forget to stay tuned for a special segment at the end of the show. Fact chat. Text 0409 945 945. What would you say if I asked you, how do you think white Australia views Australians of different faiths and ethnic backgrounds? A recent YouGov survey shows a result that would even shock the most sceptical amongst us. 51% of Australians have unfavourable sentiments towards Islam, with only 10% looking upon the religion positively. The results reveal that Australia is more negative towards Islam than 17 of the other 22 countries surveyed. We have Ruby Hamad to chat to us about this. Hey, Ruby. Hi. So, do these numbers surprise you? It's like, it's one of those like yes or no, like yes because 51% and no because, well, it's been this process of, of conditioning and, and, and these negative uh, messages that have been put out through media, through uh, politics. Uh, so it's not that surprising that in a country where a lot of people probably never interact with, with Muslim people that they're going to absorb what the, the, those messages are uh, that are you know, amplified uh, around refugees and and terrorism, obviously, and yeah, the the wars and, and all all the uh, the interests, the U.S. interests, Western interests that we have in the Middle East. And as long as that continues, then we're going to keep getting these messages and people are going to believe it. Fear fear is a big, you know, uh, it's a big influencer. Mm. So do you think this is new, that Australians view uh, Muslims unfavorably? Uh, I think it's certainly been uh, amplified or increased. Mm. Uh, I think obviously there's always been an element, you know, fear of, of the other. Uh, I, I don't think it's been this you know, uh, strong or, or this constant, like with this every day. And, and I, I don't know if I'm looking back and, and through rose-coloured glasses now, but when I was growing up, like in the 90s, then, yeah, I, I felt, you know, I was, you know, felt racism. I felt like an outsider, but I felt it was more because I was Arab rather than the Muslim. And then, and then since 9-11, that's kind of really... Uh, I don't, I don't want to say flip because it's, it's the same thing, really. Like, and, and I say this a lot. I think that, you know, Islamophobia, anti-Islam sentiment is anti-Arabness. Like, and it's just been transferred and, um, so, and, and kind of almost isolated and then also, uh, transferred and onto other Muslims who are not 
Arab. <laughs> so all Arabs, whether they're Muslim or not, cop it, and then all Muslims, whether they're Arab or not, cop it. Yeah, that's, that's the crossover there. Ruby, are Australians in a bubble? Do we think we're more progressive than we really are? Yes, I think that, and and I would have, I kind of like put myself in that. I, I'm shocked at how um, it's 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 playing out. I thought we were more progressive than this, and I'm think I'm starting to see we're really not because in many ways, you know, we've we've we'll sort of think America is like the hotbed of, of racism. Uh, in many ways, we're a lot more, uh, like less willing even to really look at ourselves and our history. Uh, and I don't want to make out like America is like, you know, the, the promised land here. They, there's <laughs> certainly, but, but they, they, there is, maybe it's because they're a bigger, you know, there's a bigger population. So there's there's more drive. It's more people pushing it than, than there is here. But there seems that there's at least a, more of a, a reflection there, a so self-reflection. So why do you think that is? Why do you think we're keeping it under the covers? Why do you think we're in this kind of fast land that we're more progressive than we are? I think it's a lot. Oh, well, a lot of it is the the wanting to be. You know, we're good people. Um, you know, Robin, you know, D'Angelo talks about this in, in White Fragility, this, this tension between wanting to be good and seeing ourselves as good. Uh, which means distancing ourselves from bad, which is uh, racism, but that sort of prohibits the uh, what is needed, which is to look at racism as a structure as opposed to you know an individual characteristic or a trait I, I love that you bring that up because you know in the YouGov study, um, majority of Australians are pro choice mm. majority of Australians think that uh, you know just because your parents migrated here doesn't mean you're not Australian. So for a lot of things, tick, 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 mm. quite progressive. But 51% view Islam unfavorably. So at the end of the day, you know, how much does the media play into <laughs> how people um, perceive other people? Um, I'd love to go back to what you said earlier, which is, you know, growing up, um, you know, how you felt being Muslim in Australia how do you think young Muslims feel seeing these kind of stats? You know, a young Muslim seeing 51% view Islam unfavorably. Well, it's going to obviously feel isolating and it's going to feel invalidating. Mm. Uh, what is worries me is that there's, there's, they're not seeing anything good really pretty much about themselves. That they're not, uh, And that's why, you know, it's where people like me and other other you know Muslim or Muslim backgrounded I'm not you know, practicing anymore but uh, that and Arab as well as, as Muslim and just pushing like pushing back in the sense of showing a different side to us and that's you know where artists come in and, and poets and not just you know I write more sort of journalism and, and opinion um, uh, work uh, we need to see and they need to see themselves represented in a way that uh, bucks that um, negative imaging, and and I think the reason that Muslims uh, probably have a more of a negative, or there's more of a negative perception about Muslims and and others, is that uh, you know racism cuts obviously across e everywhere. But I think that you're more likely to see uh, positive or even neutral representations of pretty much any other group or mm. demographic. The, the problem is it's not just that there's a lot of negativity; it's that it's not balanced with anything else. So. So when you see Arabs, uh, Muslims, and this goes for, I don't, I don't want to conflate them, but uh, in, the, in the sense that Arab does not equal Muslim and vice versa, 
but in this in the sense of representation the representation is very similar yeah. and that is that they're they're either villains or they're victims of arab villains that need rescuing from by the west or else they're just not there. Mm. So what is that? You know, how are then you are you going to feel a, a, when you see one or you hear about one? Oh, the only time I ever hear about you is when you're doing bad stuff. Are you going to do bad stuff to me? You know, and I don't want to excuse the racism because the information is there now. Like people, it's, it's kind of like if you want to be ignorant, it's it's a choice now. There's, it's not uh, it's it's not sort of like you've been forced to have these blinders on. But yeah. Anyway, you're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Sweta and Shami. We're speaking to author and journalist Ruby Hamad about the mounting Islamophobia that Australia is facing and what we can do to counteract it. Ruby, you've spoken a lot (laughs) about the way in which racists often play the victim card after they're called out for their behavior. Can you speak a bit more about that? (laughs) Well, yes, that's... uh well, my book, upcoming books about which I won't get into too much, um, it's still a few months away. Uh, yeah, so uh, what I do want to say in is I don't even necessarily, it, it's not even necessarily when they're called out on racism. That That is what really has struck me in the last year or so, is that often, almost always, when you're interact, you know, and I've found and I've found this through my research as well. So from my own experience, which I then sort of set out to to look at is, is this a thing or is this just me? Uh, is that there's, there's, there's this tolerance and acceptance and progressivism, as long as we kind of know our place, you know, as long as we're not, we don't push back. And as soon as we disagree or argue, uh, even in a way that we think that is, uh, you know, with a friend or, or a colleague or, or someone that we know, you know, we go into it. And when I say we, I mean, as in a, a person, particularly a woman of colour, goes into it just thinking, OK, well, we're disagreeing, but the bigger picture is fine. Then it, it doesn't play out that way. There's there's a lot of, uh, and I found this oh, so much in progressive circles. So, when you know, amongst feminists and and socialists is a big one, you know, uh, there's this pushback of, of how almost like, how dare you talk to me? Uh, how dare you answer back? Like, get back in your box. Um, I'd love to hear more about the start of your book. Mm. So it's called White Tears, Brown Scars, which yes. is a phenomenal name. <laughs> but what was the catalyst for starting this project? Okay, so it was an article I wrote for The Guardian, which uh, went sort of crazy viral. Sorry, excuse the language. Uh, uh, which, which went very viral across yeah. the world. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it kind of took me by surprise. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that kind of response uh, at that level. And... I just had a lot of women of colour kept on writing in mm. and, and on Twitter and saying, "Are you? How are you going to keep this going? How are you going to keep this conversation? Because you know you've sort of you've struck this like you know, um, it's almost yeah. like a bomb or almost you know grenade. <laughs> like you've done, you've sort of done that. You kind of have to go back. I'm, I was like, I don't know. Like I wasn't for me. I was an article and I, it was something that I wanted to discuss and then I was going to move on. And, but uh, I kept sort of you know, been asked to, to keep that conversation going. So I thought, maybe. So I kind of, yeah, I just put a proposal together very rapidly and, and it went And now we have a from book. From there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much just finished. Like we're kind of in the final proofreading stage now. It's like, wow, how did this happen? Like in a year. Like yeah. When's it going to come out? September. In, in Australia, okay. September through uh, MUP, Melbourne awesome. University Publishing. We'll have you back on to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it'll be so exciting. <laughs> 
Um, you've mentioned quite a bit throughout this interview how uh, being a practicing Muslim and being a not practicing Muslim, yeah. how the perceptions around that don't actually seem to differ. No. <laughs> it seems that racism is kind of something that you get as a Muslim woman or as a Muslim person, regardless of whether you're actually practicing or not. Yeah. Can you go into that? That's a really it, interesting it dynamic is. to kind of unpack. I, I think it, it goes, it's... It's this whole thing of, of this clash of civilizations that sort of people insist that we live under, right? Because we love this binary, like you're either this or you're that. So there's this sense of, oh, you say you're non-practicing and this. But unless you actually disavow it and come to our side completely, then you're almost like, you're still a threat, right? And so the you're, you're obvious, you know, obviously when you're visibly Muslim, you are going to... Yeah, because it's it's your, you are you know you're going to get the more of the day to day for sure um, uh, sort of bigotry and you know as as we saw in Christchurch if you're practicing then you're at the mosque so you're also more likely in that sense to to be harmed but in in, in terms of the sort of the structure or the bigger picture um, you know you're Muslim you're from that part of the world or a part of the world you're part from that community so you're still you're considered kind of a you're still mm, you know not you're not really one of us mm. and you know your my name is is Hamad like it, it's still you know I was born in in Lebanon so that, that that's still gonna like it, it's gonna follow you like racism is how other people see you it's not how you see yourself right it's how they re- react to what they think you are that has come about from all these these centuries of, of messages and, and negative uh, representation of, of these, like, we're, we're two-dimensional. Uh, and that goes for all people of colour. Absolutely. So, Ruby, the election is coming up next uh, week. Oh, <laughs> well, oh, I know you're very excited for it. So, <laughs> I guess, you know, just to wrap up, what would you recommend to our listeners? How could they vote to see a change in oh, Islamophobia? Wow. <sighs> wow. Uh, <laughs> well... You know, I mean, I want to say, I'd love to say that it's as simple as this one vote, this one election. It is. It's more than that. Obviously, we want to, and this is all related. So I'm just about Islamophobia. You'll, you'll see that you, you you have a look at what the candidates stand for, and then you see that who has the best in, in terms of you know the, the least racist, but also the best for the environment. Who's also the best for just uh, for for unemployed people mm. and and the working poor. And you'll find that often it's kind of, you know, you find the climate change deniers are often pretty Islamophobic. So it's kind of like all, it's, like it's all package, related. Isn't it? It's all related. But it's not going to happen with one election. And obviously it's very easy to lose faith in politics lately. I have been, but um, it, it can certainly uh, help, you know, we, we can send that message of this is what we want you as our representatives to, to do. For sure. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning, Ruby. That was author and journalist Ruby Hamad talking to us about Islamophobia in Australian culture. Ruby's book, White Tears, Brown Scars, is due to be released in September, did you say? September 3, I believe, is the date. Oh, that's very exciting. We'll put it in our calendars. Anyway, definitely keep an eye out for it. That's right. Stay tuned because after our song we're going to play just now, we're talking about the laws surrounding Australian political advertisements. Then we'll be showcasing our very own special segment at the end of the show. Don't miss out. Here is uh, Pantone Hope by yes, Wallace Shami. It is. It is. I it was, was going to tell you. It's fine. Um, All righty. Let's uh, check it out. See you soon. Fact check. Fact check. 0409 
as Australian as the Australian political campaign landscape changes before our eyes, thanks to the internet, voters will be bombarded with promises and posturings on more platforms than ever before. Whether it's Clive Palmer's bizarre United Australia Party's advertisements <laughs> or the smear campaigns we see going back and forth between the Labour and Liberal Party, it seems like it's pretty much a free-for-all for any politician to say what they want about another. But is that the case? What do we know about the laws surrounding election campaign advertisements and just how tight are they? Actually, there was a recent SBS article that covered this. And as we know, political parties are exempt from the Do Not Call Register and the Spam Act, which allows things like robocalls and in the case of Clive Palmer, robotext to happen. Obviously, the unsolicited, unsolicited texts are annoying, but can politicians actually lie in their advertisements? Short answer, yes. According to the AEC, which is the government body tasked with managing elections, electoral laws do not technically quote-unquote regulate the truth in election communication or in advertising. Okay, so we want to hear what are your thoughts? We want to know. Text us in 0409-945-945. That's 0409-945-945. Stay tuned because we have our producer, Eden Faithful, coming into the studio to introduce our surprise federal election segment right now. Fact chat. Text 0409-945-945. Fact chat. That's right, you are listening to Backchat on FPI Radio 94.5 FM with Shami and Swetha. We're welcoming Eden into the studio. So, what are we in for, Eden? Hey, guys. Okay, so we're in the week coming into the election, and I want to make sure that you guys know your stuff when it comes to what each of the major parties are saying about each other in their ads. So, surprise, I've prepared a little quiz for you both. Oh, no. And (laughs) for all of you playing at home, text us in if you think you know the answer and we'll see just how well you all get along. You can text in on 0409-945-945. Okay, so let's get started. Round one, I've just picked a couple of questions about Liberal Party advertising. So, can either of you finish the Liberal Party's slogan for the federal election? Building our economy, securing... Our jobs. Our borders. Jobs. <laughs> 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 My brain went like, straight to like... I this is not good, guys. This is meant to be the easy one. Okay, we're securing our future. Uh, Liberal Party securing our future. Course. It's okay. All right, all right. We're going to go <laughs> to the next so one. I'm so hungover. This is not good. This is... All right. <laughs> Honestly, my brain went to images of like the Irish like coastline. And like, I'm like, is all interesting. <laughs> okay, so next question. Number two. Let's see if we can get this. In Scott Morrison's main campaign video, which is on his YouTube page, titled My Vision for Australia, what is in the picture shown on his desk? Oh, I know this one. The Queen. <laughs> no, oh, wait, no, it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, you know it? Yeah, it's literally a still from a segment in the ad just before. So they've actually taken the the video, they've taken a still from that actual ad and then just put that in a frame. Ding, ding, ding! Oh. How <laughs> weird is that? So How wild. weird is that? It's like he couldn't get a picture of his family so he literally had to harvest one <laughs> from the campaign video itself. Come on, ScoMo, get it together, buddy. All right. It's oh. like someone trying to learn how to be human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yes. Look on purpose. Okay, all right. 
<laughs> Look, Liberal Party wasn't so great, but let's skip on to the Labor Party. So, the Labor Party is about to run ads against Gopal Singh, the Liberal candidate for Scotland, highlighting the fact that he equated marriage equality to paedophilia. Not okay. Where will these ads run? I do know this. Excellent. Go I for it. I do know this. Grinder. Yes, of course, Ooh. right? Um, it which makes is great. Sense. Which is a which great is fantastic, idea. right? Yeah. It's, it's really actually good for once. Idea so, of targeting. I actually read that um, the hundred thousand young people who voted yes in the same sex plebiscite yep. uh, registered to vote in this federal election. Amazing! So I'm, I'm so excited to see if that actually changes anything. We will. We'll find um, out. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Do either of you know the Labor Party's 2019 campaign slogan? Um, no. <laughs> oh, this is so bad. <laughs> this is not good. My defense have already voted, guys. <laughs> have you already voted? I've already voted. Okay, well, <clears throat> i got to learn now. <laughs> Labor is delivering a fair go oh, for Australia. Uh, guys, that's that it. That changed, that's I feel. It. All right, all right. Look, okay, major parties clearly isn't I'm inspired. your, uh, You've really inspired your forte. Me it's all right. That's okay. We've got a fire round. You can make up for it. Okay. Let's go. Okay, Alex Dyson candidate for Victorian seat of Wannon did what in his campaign video? This is a multiple choice. You both know. That's so upsetting. I was going to say A, sang an original song about his electorate. B, did an interpretive dance. C, folded paper cranes to represent his constituents. Or D, all of the above simultaneously. I'm not sure if anyone at home wants to text in and see if they can hazard a guess. Uh, <laughs> you really had fun with this. I really had fun with this, guys. Uh, so you both know the answer. What is it? it so he, he did an interpretive dance. dance. He did an interpretive dance. Yeah, I mean, I want Michael Hing to do an interpretive dance. <laughs> yeah. Come on. One Asian no, party. No, no, I want him to do the cranes. The cranes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so... Green's candidate for Sydney, Matthew Thompson, was given a smugness rating of 8.2 by the Daily Telegraph. Uh, Thompson was not happy about this, so he took to social media to complain. What was the content of his complaint? What was he particularly upset about? Um, does he think he should have gotten a 10 out of 10? Ding, ding, ding. No he way. should have gotten a higher rate. He was upset. He was like, guys, um, yep, I'm a green senator. I'm Dude, a vegan. Me a politician. You know, I bike around Sydney. I deserve a considerably higher score. So. That's wild. <laughs> like that kid at school who'd get mad if they got like an A instead of an A plus and like yeah. fight with a teacher. That's literally that. They grew up and became a politician. Why, why was he smug? I'm curious. I mean, well, it's the Daily Telegraph talking about a greens candidate oh. in Sydney. So, I mean, Just do, the, do, do you need to know any more? But I I think it is the general persona that the Daily Telegraph completely objects to. We'd get a 10 out of 10, wouldn't we? We would 100% get a 10 out of 10. This is FBI Radio (laughs) 94.5. Okay, well, look, you guys did horribly. Congratulations. Great. Um, I'm sure, at least I hope, our listeners did considerably better than both of you. But thank you so much for having me into the studio this afternoon. Thank Thank you for coming in, Eden. That is our editorial producer, Eden Faithful, coming in to let us know how bad we are at politics. (laughs) And that's all the time we have for today. A big thanks to Eden. Thank you for being in the studio with us right now. Thank you to Natalie Sekolovska, our executive producer, and to Pip Leeson, our digital producer. And thanks again to our guest, Ruby Hamad. That's right. We will catch you next week for our election special. But before we see you next week, we have a song right now. Shami, what is the song we're going to play right now? Good question. The song <laughs> we're going to play right now is called Miami Memory by Alex Cameron. Enjoy. Enjoy. 